Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. This episode concludes our two-part series on hurricane preparedness. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one from last week with meteorologist Jason Moreland, I highly recommend checking it out for a full breakdown of the 2023 hurricane forecast. As Hurricane Ian approached the Florida coast last year, people, communities, and organizations braced for an impact that would eventually envelop the entire state. For one organization that provides life-sustaining in-home health care, the days leading up to the storm were critical for preparing and protecting their staff and patients. Beth Harbold, Director of Quality Assurance and Emergency Management at Family First Home Care, had a plan of action that put people first. I spoke with Beth to learn about her preparedness method and how the entire organization came together to protect its employees and vulnerable patients. Let's get into the conversation. Hey, Beth, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time to talk today. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. Can you start by telling us about the workforce at Family First Home Care and the patients that you serve? Sure. We have over 400 patients in four states now. We do private duty 24-7 nursing in the homes of our patients. Our patients are very high acuity. So most of them are ventilator dependent, tube feeding dependent. They require a lot of equipment that needs electricity to keep them alive. So that's pretty much what we do. So these are people who are entirely reliant on others at all times for the most part. Yes, absolutely. Most of our patients are non-ambulatory, non-verbal, so they require assistance with everything. And you mentioned a key thing there, electricity. Some of them require that to just stay alive for more than a few minutes. So that's incredibly stressful, I think, when a, a storm is approaching, let's say. So what about the moment you realized you had people who would be affected by Hurricane Ian? How did that unfold? Yeah, so we had been watching the storm the week prior, and I had been having daily communication and just touching base with our executive and our leadership team. And it was over the weekend, my husband and I were watching the news. And when we saw that the entire state of Florida was in the cone, that was when I got a little bit nervous. We typically had activated for, you know, maybe one or two offices at a time, but it was very sort of humbling. And there was a little bit of pressure when I realized that this storm was so big and had the potential to be so strong that it could affect literally all of our patients and families in Florida. Yeah, I can imagine that must have been pretty stressful. And I think one of the first and most important things you have to do in those situations is start to communicate with folks. So what were the first steps that you took to communicate with your people about this? Yeah, so we relied very heavily on alert media I was sending email communication to our internal team members. I did a lot of prep to create our survey templates so that when the teams individually, each office sent out their own notifications to their patients and their team members, they were all ready to go. So all they had to do was add their specific office details and shoot them out. So that communication was key. It started early. Anytime we have storms coming in Florida, It's always better to be over-prepared and to really have people, especially our patient population who's so dependent on electricity, start thinking about and make those decisions early. 
And I like that you did the thinking ahead of time. So you had the templates and things like that done. So when people were suddenly realizing, oh my gosh, this is real, that's when the stress level starts to go up and people aren't thinking clearly. So having those perfect words or at least a framework of them that people can pick from and maybe make a few changes to it could be a real time saver in an emergency. Absolutely. And the other thing that's interesting is it sounds like you had multiple very distinct parties you're communicating with. You have the patients, patients' families, but then also the core team that's going to be helping these individuals, and then also perhaps just the general employees that work for the organization. Yeah, so we had this opportunity because we need to gather information and then utilize our internal team members in the most efficient way so that we can be assisting the most critical or the people who actually need assistance. So. We were sending out surveys to our patients and our team members early to say, what is your plan? Are you planning on staying? Are you going to shelter in place? Are you evacuating? You know, is your plan to go to a hospital? A lot of our ventilator dependent patients, they just go into the hospital because it's a nice, safe place for them to go. And they know that they're going to have everything that they need. So those kind of tailored messages, we send out a message and then we receive back. And so there's an option for, I need help or I I don't know. So, you know, if they hadn't made a decision, we could focus our efforts and our phone calls on the people who needed it the most at the time. So communication was just absolutely vital to coordinating continuity of care, right? Yes, it truly was vital. And being able to pivot our communication very quickly was key. Emergency plans are just a plan. So we would send out communication and somebody might respond that they plan to shelter in place. And then as the hours pass, literally, you know, that impact zone, some people change their mind. And so they were able to respond back and give us a different choice. Say, you know what, I think I'm going to evacuate now, or maybe I do want to go to the hospital or I don't know, I just need help. So yes, it is vital to have all of that information. And something interesting about hurricanes is they're slow moving. They can be highly destructive, but they're very slow moving. So as you think about the responses that you start to get from your employees or the patients and their families, what were those like as the storm started to unfold and people started to realize that, oh my gosh, this really is going to hit? Yeah. So, you know, our initial responses, we've only utilized the alert media platform For drills up to this point, we haven't had a major hurricane for several years hit the state of Florida. So the initial messages that went out, we didn't get the best feedback. You know, we'd get maybe 20, 30 percent response rate. As it started to get closer and closer to landfall, when the messages started getting more tailored, the responses started getting better. So we were getting better accurate answers and people calling into the office to kind of talk about options. You know, I think that's very interesting and probably very common that people just don't engage on impending doom until it gets very real. So it's just something to keep in mind when you think about communication before trouble actually shows up. Yes, it's crucial. So what was the general feeling internally at Family First Home Care while all this was going on? We talked about it a little bit before, but I imagine there must have been a lot of anxiety because you're not only thinking about your own families and your own well-being, but also these patients and especially patients that absolutely 100% rely on you and electricity just to stay alive throughout the day. 
Yeah. So in all honesty, the pressure was on. This was a huge, almost entire company activation for us. And like I had mentioned before, we were used to activating for maybe one, two offices at a time. So lots and lots of support from our executive and our leadership team. We had excellent support from our out of Florida offices. So our Illinois and our Texas office, they were reaching out to me and other team members saying, you know, if you need anything or we can help you in any way, please let us know. But yeah, it was it was a nail biter for sure. We were pretty anxious here to see how it was all going to play out. Would you say that the over communication you talked about earlier helped build confidence? Yes. So starting that communication early trained everybody to read the messages and respond if we were looking for something. So that early communication was truly key to keep that communication open throughout the storm. So can you tell us a bit about your communication with patients both during and after the storm? Were you able to check in with them while the storm was unfolding and then on their welfare right afterward? How did that all flow? Yeah, so we were very concerned because we had so many people affected and the storm was very, very slow moving. So I whipped up a quick template to ask about power check and are you okay? So we were able to touch base with them a little bit during the storm that took over 24 hours to cross the state. And then after our Fort Myers office was the most impacted, the Fort Myers and the South Sarasota area took the landfall and a lot of the storm surge. So we were very fortunate to be able to reach out to some of our unaffected offices and even our Texas and Illinois office so that they could reach out and make those checks if we were unable to get in touch with, say, our team members. Communication is the biggest impact, I think, when we have a hurricane event. It's the loss of power and phone lines, essentially. The internet we can do without, but we really heavily rely on our cell phones. So there were you know, many team members down in Fort Myers, internal and field, and patients that you know, we're not able to get messages out themselves. And so other offices or myself or somebody from the leadership team was able to step up and just go right in and and try to make contact with those families. And we also had a a Fort Myers patient that was a Spanish speaking family. And our internal team had attempted to get a response from them and check in on them for a couple of days. And they expressed the concern that maybe they just weren't able to understand the message because the family was Spanish speaking. So all of our messages were coming to them in English. So I knew that the Texas team had some internal team members that spoke Spanish. So I reached out to them and said, you know, is there any way that you can possibly reach out to this family? We just want to know that they're safe, see where they landed, see if there's any assistance. And they said, absolutely. Another thing that we were able to utilize too is, you know, we had the ability to go in and give temporary access in Alert Media to grant administrative rights to certain offices. Our West Palm Beach stepped up very heavily. And like I said, some of our other office locations that were outside of the state of Florida, and they were able to just literally pick up and continue that communication and read through the responses that might have come in for an office that wasn't even theirs. 
Wow, that's a really great story. And it speaks to the point that this would be very difficult to do if you tried to just take like independent group messaging threads or independent emails an entire team spread across multiple states wouldn't have an easy way to jump in, insert themselves, and essentially take over and start helping you when something's going on. It, it would be much more difficult. So we decided to you know, explore a better communication option after our Pensacola office in 2020 was hit by Hurricane Sally. And it was the first office within our family, first family, that had ever had a direct impact. And we learned very quickly that, you know, our old process of downloading lists of the patients and the team members and then putting them onto a spreadsheet and picking up the phone and calling people was time intensive and just didn't get us the results that we wanted. So shifting that communication over to something that's so simple, even if we get I train on this all the time. I said, you know, if we send out a message and we get 50% of a response, but we sent it to 200 people, it's a hundred less calls that we probably need to make. Yeah, absolutely. And as you think about all this communication you were able to do before, during, and after, what was the feedback you got from employees and patients and patients' families? It was very sweet. As the storm was going through and after we had sent out a ton of messages to all of these families. And we started getting things like smiley faces back and thank you so much for checking in. So it was just a lot of gratitude and appreciation. I think that up until this point, we had only utilized it for pretty much one-way communication, pushing out emergency education. So for them to really engage and be interactive with us, still help them feel connected, even though we weren't having phone conversations. Yeah, a lot of times that people just know that you are checking in on their welfare and that there's an open line of communication should things go bad and then they do need help and they know where to go to get some assistance. It makes all the difference in the world during any kind of an emergency. Now, another really important part of learning from any emergency is to create an after-action report. So how did you go about assembling that after Hurricane Ian passed? And then how did you implement the lessons learned moving forward? One of the biggest key takeaways is actually about our emergency binders and our plans that the offices utilize. So it's full of a lot of information, but I thought it would be much more efficient to put all of their communication resources and their important vendors at the beginning. And then that operations plan that that is the step-by-step guide what do we do with a warning? And now that we have the warning, now what do we do? And so it's a step-by-step manual. So we, we push that to the front and we put some of the regulatory items further back in the plan so that it was more useful. Another thing that was was excellent is that my alert media team was reaching out to support me through this entire activation, checking in on me, which was very nice in our company. Is there anything that we can do for you? So they were able to set up a meeting. They said, you know, when things die down, we really would like to meet with you and and gather some feedback. So we had a meeting of the minds and there were some very, very simple fixes that we didn't even know. The best example is we started sending out all of these messages to multiple offices in the state of Florida. And after we had done these blast messages, we realized that they were not, we didn't have the office name in there. 
So trying to pair the responses and, and pair those spreadsheets that we use for our emergency documentation, trying to match them back up was was a struggle. So the team had sat down and showed me there's that way to add the location. So they have to select their location now within the message so that we can keep things more organized. We did send out thousands and thousands of messages in a very short window of time. And so when you're activating, that's what you do. You shoot it out. You just take that information and you move on until the next thing. But it's that sort of aftermath of the emergency activation where you have to clean up all that documentation. So efficiencies within the platform, efficiencies within our office operational plan and and how we activate was really our biggest takeaway, I think, for Hurricane Ian. I think that's really fantastic what you did is to go work with a vendor afterward to say, hey, this is what we experienced. How can we do better next time? A lot of times organizations just try to keep it all in-house instead of going out and talking to the other people and products and vendors that they rely on. So I think that's fantastic. You took the step to engage with the experts in the product to see, hey, what can we improve? So next time this happens, because it will, (laughs) we could be even more effective with the use of your product. Absolutely. And, you know, anybody who's in emergency management, I am honored to be basically the director and the coordinator for our entire company. But at the end of the day, it's not me. I'm there to just guide and assist. So truly empowering our internal team members and even empowering our field team members and our patients with repeated and ongoing emergency education really truly trying to embrace a safety culture within our corporate structure and also at a home level has allowed us to have better communication and safer practices and provide better care overall. Well, before we wrap up, I'm curious, what will you remember the most about the experience of Hurricane Ian now that you've had some time to reflect? You know, I think that What I'm going to remember the most as an Arizona girl, so I moved here from Arizona four years ago and lived through this hurricane with this team. And my biggest takeaway is number one, humility, and number two, that it takes an army. One person can't do everything. You really have to rely on every little person to get through some sort of an emergency. Very wise words. Well, Beth, thank you so much for taking time to share your story today. It truly is inspiring. Having seen so many situations like this go the other way, certainly in awe of your organization and how you ensured your people were safe as the storm was hitting with maximum force. Well, thank you so much. You can learn more about Beth and the incredible work of Family First Home Care by clicking the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening to our two-part series on hurricane preparedness. Remember, it's best to mitigate risks now before the first major storm of the season. We'll be back next week with more insightful conversations to help you protect your business and people. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.